Welcome to the latest Pinkcast in the Pink Elephant podcast series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. My name is Troy, and I'm an executive consultant with Pink Elephant. Let's take a look at governance. ITIL is good, but I want to kind of point out as well that there's actually even more information, which is not strictly considered ITIL, but what is published by the stationary office. That is the publisher of ITIL that is commissioned by the OGC to publish ITIL. They are one of the world's largest producers of IT information, IT best practice information, IT documentation. And they have much greater library than ITIL. They have information about acquisition and procurement, IT strategic planning, uh, application. They have management of change, project management, application lifecycle, such as, such as CMM. They have a whole model called Structured Systems and Design Methodology, SSADM. There's a lot of information. If you go to the TSO website, www.tso.co.uk, you'll find their catalog. And I recommend some of these books. Like, let's say you don't have a good strategic planning process. That's a great book. It kind of lays out the whole process of IT planning. Now, I've given you a lot of background on the Sarbanes question already. I'm just trying to touch more, a little bit more detail. Sarbanes, by the way, has been coming for a while. But we only in, in IT have been really worried about it in the last year and a half. But it's been coming for a while because based on the WorldCom, Enron scandals, this is all why it's coming down the pipe at us. And the key thing here, which was new, was the realization that IT is not separated from the business and has to be part of these assessments. But also, as we mentioned, for the first time, individuals were criminally liable and could go to jail and have huge fines against them personally. Gartner says by the end of 2005, 60% of companies will require their CIO to countersign with their CEO and CFO. And so that's a trend because of that realization and concept. All right, what are the, the basic requirements? What do we have to worry about? You can't do all 34 because it's way too overkill. But what are the basic things? If you went to that same website a year before, then it would have been 27 things. So there's been this concept of listening and kind of focusing on what are the real basic requirements. The public companies, the big ones, are going through this right now. They're having their first year. We're waiting, and some of the industry is waiting for a Martha Stewart. What's going to happen? What kind of penalties will they produce? That, is, that, it, is going, that it will go away is not even being considered. Okay, so it will have an impact. It's not going to be the latest craze that everybody will forget about. Because it's this global thing, not just one law. Okay? And I'm going to show you a news release just came out this week that um, you need to know about because it gives sense of this as well. We're waiting to see a little bit, but it is, it's not going away. It's already been three and a half years, four years in the making. All right? This is just progression, and it hasn't finished yet. The black box gets opened. Business reveals how chaotic things are happening inside. Realize they have to put their name on what they believe is something that will hurt their brand, you have impact right now. Now, this is late breaking news. This came out just this week, uh, last week, and it's a good thing. The previous deadlines for Sarbanes-Oxley was for large companies with over $75 million capitalization, which is still true. They had to do their first annual attestation as of November, within that financial cycle. That left two other types of organizations. 
smaller public companies, everybody under 75 million, which are called, which are not called advanced filers, and foreign issuers. Because here's the other issue of Sarbanes-Oxley. International companies with U.S. parentage, such as Canadian or U.K. or whatever, have to also follow Sarbanes to the letter of the law and co-file with their U.S. parent traded in the U.S. If you are traded anywhere else in the world, but yet have over 300 U.S. investors, the U.S. legislation of Sarbanes also applies. They're called foreign issuers, which is, of course, concerning because they're, they're basically feeling like they've been put upon, and they have, largely by this legislation. Last week, the government gave an additional year of time. So now the new deadline for small public, private companies and foreign issuers is July 15, 2006. This is the actual, this is just a section of that release. But in the release, it's very clear, in, it's in the language right in the release, it says, do not think of this as stop and take a breath. What we're doing is recognizing it's a little bit harder for you we want you to improve the quality of your efforts. And don't, they basically don't want you to get into a checklist mentality. They want it to be real. And so they're giving smaller companies a year to get better quality into their controls like change and release and configuration. That was expected, but also a very, very important piece of news for us. And many are having to add headcount simply to deal with compliance and formalization. In the old days, in the mainframe days, you had entire departments we did nothing else but documented controls and processes in the mainframe we might go back to that it's going to kill a lot of smaller companies it literally will it's culture change huge culture change just to the point of separation of duties legislation says you cannot give access to the developers uh, root or or min access to production boxes you have to remove that access Think of just that one task that you have to do. How heavy that's going to be against culture. Well, some companies have, have come through this culture change, but usually it's a 10 to 15 year time frame. Maybe not that long, but 10 anyway. What these legislations in general are creating is the requirement to move a company culture, what before would have taken 10 years, within a year, which is putting huge people stress. That's where the pain is. Ripping out the whole value system of a culture and putting a new one in. So we've got Section 404. That's, that's what's coming up. That's why we're getting so hot and bothered. But there's also a Section 409, which hasn't hit yet, which hasn't been designated as a deadline. But it moves not only to an, from an annual, but to real-time attestation on your asset information and all your controls. That's even worse. Now, it hasn't been qualified yet. We don't expect that to be for a couple of years. They're going to let Section 404 hit, I think, and let that kind of settle first before they bring in 409. But that's where it's going. We mentioned this earlier, actually, um, the different types of controls. For years, we've had application controls. I created an application with roles and permissions models so that an individual can't get in and cut themselves a nice check and go and have a vacation. Okay, that is an application control. What is new is the data controls and the general controls and this is where ITIL suddenly comes to the fore because ITIL is all about the general controls 
the release, the change, the config, the incident, the problem, the service level, the more business processes of IT. All right, so this is where our recent view of why we are looking for best practices in that earlier slide of pick your poison, pick your framework. Now, how broad is it? How do we focus? This is a table um, taken from the paper, paper called COBIT for Sarbanes-Oxley put out by the IT Governance Institute, which suggests, and I heavily emphasize the word suggest, to the audit community, which controls to concern themselves with this year. Manage problems and incidents. Manage configuration. Manage third-party services. Define and manage service levels. Manage changes. Install and accredit systems. Over half of these 12 directly apply to the ITIL service support book. ITIL is half of the control requirements for Sarbanes this year. That's why suddenly ITIL becomes a buzzword you're all hearing about. You know why the auditors are so mean and nasty and anal this year? Because before they would be able to work with you to find creative solutions to put a positive spin on the audit results. is because legislative pressure has said, you audit firm, because of Anderson basically, are accountable for the quality and the accuracy of the attestation. And if it's wrong, you're going to fry. They were given or they were told they have to share in the accountability of the accuracy and the risk thereof. They have assumed the risk of the accuracy of the report. Thereby, they have charged you more. Because if they're going to assume the risk, they're going to be much more anal, and they're going to charge you much more money to cover their risk inherited. Huge. That's why it's not going away. Even if there is no Martha Stewart, they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to basically be dissolved. So it is going to cover their posteriors they're going to make sure it broadens out. Now, with this comes a whole bunch of audit tools, just to give you a sense of different things. The kind of things that are occurring is things like SAC, is being, which is a more of a traditional audit tool, is being kind of superseded by COBIT. COSO has been rolled into SAS, because that's the main difference, difference between a SAS 50 and a SAS 70 report. And this is where the auditor gets to say, here's my attestation for these controls, and you can give it, and you do it once and give it to multiple people multiple companies. Just be careful about that because it's a, it's a good thing, but it's also realized that it is, um, it's based on the, uh, the outsourcer's own request and they only cover the things the outsourcer wants them to cover in the report. So it's not because they have a SAS 70 report doesn't mean that you're completely covered. They may have chosen not to look at a process or control that they're not well at. Just because they have a report, you have to go a bit deeper. So the, the last piece here is it's not all bad news in a sense because if you do all the effort and you do implement a process like change management, if you put measurement and governance around it, you'll eventually get your return on investment. If you don't, the money you put into that project is wasted because it completely dissolves to nothing. What gets measured gets done, gets improved. This is a piece of information that came out recently, Forrester Research for 2005 on spend to give you a sense of the priorities of CIOs, regulatory compliance, business intelligence, which is information, and content management, which is my controls under control, are three of the top 
spend issues for 2005 for our executives. The world we live in now and have lived in for the last 5 to 20 years will be very different than the world we live in tomorrow. The industry is changing. The culture will have to change because we are entering a whole new era of our environment and our industry. We're becoming a utility computing. We're being codified and regulated. That's the premise. So I'm not trying to fear monger. This is simply all the facts kind of put in front of you that you may not be aware of. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this Pinkcast. My name is Troy Dumoulin, and for more information, please take a look at our website at www.pinkelephant.com and pay particular attention to the Atlas link where you'll find all types of time-saving tools and techniques for your IT service management journey.